Amen. Let's lift our hands and just pray. Father, we thank you for today, and we pray for this week, the Vision Week, that you'd awaken our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ. And Father, this week we pray as the church unites in one accord, as the women come together, the men come together, all the leaders come together, under the apostolic ministry of this house, Father, we pray, unite your church, Lord, and unite your people. And your word says, Lord, when you, when the people gather together in one accord, you command the blessing, life evermore. And let it not be something that we have to do, but let it be something that we want to do, Father, that comes directly from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's give him praise one more time today. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You guys all right upstairs? One, two, three, two, one, I hear, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one. I think the score's still two, one, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to remain in faith. Could be three, one, three, one, Jesus. Hallelujah, we're talking about forgiveness today. How many people are forgiven? A few of you, hallelujah. You know, when you're forgiven, you want to worship God. When you realize you're forgiven, that song, Dance and Generation, because of a forgiven soul, it's an overflow of a forgiving soul. That's why I'm dancing for Jesus today, hallelujah. Now, we've got plenty to thank God for, and uh, I want to thank God for our son that was born two weeks ago, uh, <laughs> Judah, that means praise, hallelujah. We praise God in the good times, we praise bad in the, in the bad times, but we praise God, hallelujah. Pele means miracle. And uh, Asaph Peli is the name of God in Psalm 77, verse 14, which means the God of the, who is the wonder worker or the miracle worker. And Asaph means where God is gathered. God gathers. And so we thank God for what he's doing in our lives as well. So let's turn in our Bibles today to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. Gabriel talked about last week about the foundation of faith. How many people were here last week? A few of you. Hallelujah. Maybe we can get the tape and the message or go online and listen to it. And we're talking about how forgiveness is the foundation of our faith. And before the end of the day, I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never received the forgiveness of God, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and receive his forgiveness. But most of us here today would have received his forgiveness because we're Christians in the house today. But 1 John chapter 1, and verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, which says, and 14 and 15 says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the fact that we feel guilty today because we've sinned, there should be no guilt because Jesus has took the punishment for our sins. Hallelujah. And God pronounces us as not guilty. He has wiped out the handwriting of requirements. That's the Ten Commandments that was against us. He has nailed it to the cross and Jesus has paid the price. And he says here, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That's what it means to be forgiven. To live in the liberty that Christ has already purchased for you. Now what is forgiveness? Now, I put on Facebook recently. Thank God for Facebook. Gives you a few quotes in your sermon. Here's a few quotes from some of the guys from Facebook. What is forgiveness? When you're in the queue at Nando's 
and the person in front of you orders the only chicken burger they have left. That's forgiveness. Someone a bit more serious. I will not take advantage of any opportunity that offers me revenge. Here's a one from the bishop of the 230 service, purposefully forgiving anything that prevents you from loving that person. Or someone else said, loving beyond pain. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Someone else said, forgiveness is forgetness. I like the English there, forgetness. And the last one from one of my cell members, he said, a choice that feels so unnatural but is yet so liberating. So unnatural but yet so liberating. We're not just talking about forgiveness today. Jesus taught us how to pray, forgive my sins, Lord, as I forgive those who've sinned against me. We're talking about forgiving myself. Now, I don't know about you, but what does it mean to forgive yourself today? I was preparing for this message. I was thinking, my God, have I got anything to forgive myself for? Because when I connect with forgiveness, it's always about somebody else. Somebody else has done me wrong. Someone else did me injustice. It's always about someone else. I'm always praying to God, God, help me to forgive that person. So I was thinking, Lord, when has there been a time where I need to forgive myself? And I thought about that time as I was going through this sermon. And here's a story of when I was at Bible school. I was age 18. And I come to Bible school. And I tell you something. Before I came to Bible school, I knew I wasn't perfect. But when I was doing Bible school, I got to the the place where I was perfect. Do you understand what I mean? When you get excited about God, you don't think you're perfect. It's kind of like an imperfect perfection. You've reached that point where you're no longer focused on your weaknesses anymore. You're focused on your strengths. And because you talk about your strengths all the time, you're not really aware of your weaknesses. So you're always on fire. Anybody met those people that are always excited about God? They're always on fire. And in fact, the very fact that you're with them, sometimes you feel condemned because you feel so weak and negative. And uh, so here's me. I'm at Bible school. Every time I spend time with people, I'm firing them up. And I think that I'm almost perfect. I know I'm not, but I'm almost perfect. And I get back home. How many people know when you go back home, that's when, it tests, that's when the tests come? So I'm not at home. I'm in KT. You know, that's become my home now. But I go back home to the Northeast, and I, I play, I'm playing football. And you know where this story is going to go. So I'm playing football, and my brother, my younger brother, by the way, who has never really had a fight with me in his life because he's young, and I just step on him. And uh, so we're playing football. Everyone's excited, everyone's enjoying, them. everyone's enjoying themselves. And suddenly my brother, he, he goes in for a tackle with me and he says, come on. I thought, go away you whippersnapper. I'm not interested in you. And so we continue to play. We go into another tackle. He says, come on, I can take you. I thought, my God, what is wrong with this young boy? Has he, has he been angry? Have I done something wrong? And then right throughout the game, he kept being antagonistic. He says, come on, I can take you, I can take you. Now, me being imperfect, almost perfect, you know, kind of on fire disciple, I started to get a little annoyed. I started to think to myself, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to silence this boy. And then finally that episode came and towards the end of the game. He says, come on, I can take you. I can take you now. Now, before I even remember what happened, I already punched him in the face. He fell to the ground and uh, there was all blood and tears and everything. And suddenly I was aware of my imperfections again. And I went home. It was just before the church service. I got on my knees and I started to ask God to forgive me. But for six months, I really struggled about forgiving myself regarding the issue. Why? Because I wanted him to become a Christian. I was praying for him to be saved. And yet, 
Instead of, I was praying for him to be saved, and then suddenly I'd hit him and driven him away from God. And six months, I was struggling with this issue, thinking, God, why did I do that? I'm supposed to be on fire. And some of us, we struggle with these issues of forgiving ourselves. I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. This is a, is a scripture for the new year. And uh, it's a great scripture that Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Not that I've already attained it, I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended it or attained it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, hallelujah, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. As we're starting a new year, we need to forget that which is behind, amen, and start to press forward to that which is ahead. Somebody said, if we don't forget our history, we'll not be able to achieve our destiny. And that's our history, our past, that keeps us in the past, keeps us from moving forward with God, all that negative talk and all that negative thinking. If we want to achieve destiny, we want to forget our history. I want to turn over to Isaiah chapter 61 here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of despair. When we're struggling with unforgiveness in our hearts and not able to forgive ourselves, suddenly we get to the point where... We're in despair. We know that God has forgiven us, and we know maybe that we've released forgiveness over other people, but we can't get to the point of receiving his full forgiveness. Why? Because we're not able to forgive ourselves. It was that bad. I was praying about the service today, and I, I heard the word abortion. Many ladies, and even many men who force ladies to have abortions can regret Many years later, when they had the abortion straight away when they were young, they could just say, well, it's not going to affect me. Then years later, five, ten years later, suddenly they have the regret. They're not able to forgive themselves. Why? Because they didn't want to abort that baby. Really, they wanted to keep that baby. But God forgives you of that abortion. Hallelujah. But you need to get to the point in your life where you forgive yourself in the name of Jesus. Artie Kendall, who wrote the book, Forgiving Yourself, he tells the story about how he was studying in Oxford. And um, I was studying at Oxford, and he received a word when he was moving to London about how he needed to prioritize his family life. And so he promised his family members, he said, you know what, when I finish my studies at Oxford, I'll make sure that I prioritize the family. I'll make sure that I prioritize looking after my children. Anyway, he got an opportunity to speak at Westminster Chapel, and uh, he didn't prioritize his family. He took the job at Westminster Chapel, and 25 years later, he said what happened to him was he got into sermon preparation. He got into study, and he didn't actually pre prepare himself to look after his family. And one thing that he does regret is the fact that he wasn't there in the best possible way that he could be as a father. Now, that was the, one of the reasons why this book, Forgiving Yourself, even came into being, because RT was interviewed by the Billy Graham Association, and they asked him, the last question they asked him was, listen, we want to know how you were as a father. And his response was quite simple. I can't answer that question because I feel that I was a failure as a father. I can't forgive myself for those things. 
And there's things in our lives today where we think, we look back on it and we think, my God, could I even forgive myself in that situation? Well, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to that which is ahead. I remember I was in a difficult situation in my life. I was about 20, 21 years old and I just thought to myself, you know what, I've, I've messed up. Anybody messed up here? I've messed up. I can't see the road ahead. I don't even know if there's a future anymore. I don't even know how I got to that point because at age 18, I was perfect. Hallelujah. Three years later, I was struggling with even achieving destiny anymore. And I phoned up the, the former senior minister of this, this house, Wynn Lewis, who's gone to be with the Lord now. And I was amazed. He said, you know, I said, can you meet me? He said, yes. I was amazed that he even said yes. And uh, I drove all the way down to Cheltenham and I met with him in a little chef. I managed to find it in the middle of nowhere. And we had some meal together. And I remember just pouring out my heart. I say, oh, I've messed up. It's, it's ridiculous. This has happened. That's happened. The other's happened. And uh, these words that he said to me just hit me between the eyes and hit me in the heart. And he said to me, you know, Christian, you can't do anything about your past, but you can do something about your future. Hallelujah. And what he meant by that, you can't focus on the past. If you focus on the past, it will keep you back from obeying God. But you can do something about your future in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you today, you can today. You can't do anything about last year, but you can do something about this year in Jesus' name. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, let's uh, read it to, together. It says that, that Paul doesn't even judge himself. Let's turn there. about these iPods, they take time, innit? Thank you, Jesus. I forgive this iPod in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you and by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet... I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is of the Lord. So what is Paul saying there? He's saying, you know, you might be judging me, but I don't even judge myself. If anybody's got a right to judge me, it's God himself. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you today, if you are struggling with issues in your life today of forgiving yourself, don't judge yourself. Allow God to judge you. Because there's a difference between false guilt and true guilt. God convicts us in our lives so that we might change. When there's false guilt or the devil brings guilt because he's the accuser of the brethren, he, he leads us into bondage. And so I want to encourage you today, don't judge yourself. Now, I want to discuss reasons, 10 reasons here why we need to forgive ourselves. 10 reasons here why we need to forgive ourselves. Number one, it's what God wants you to do. God wants you to get to the place in your life where you have embraced his forgiveness. You've received his forgiveness. Because God wants you to do. You know, if you don't forgive yourself, it dishonors the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross, and the words on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus brought you forgiveness on the cross. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus satisfied the justice of God. Number two, the devil doesn't want you to forgive yourself. 
Why doesn't the devil want you to forgive yourself? He wants to keep you in bondage. He wants you to keep you in the past. Because he knows you have a great future and a great destiny. So the, the devil, what does the devil do? He empowers the thoughts that are already there in your head. If you think you can't make it because you let God down, the devil will keep telling you, listen, you, you're not good enough. You let God down. You made that big mistake and you magnify that big mistake in your head. That's what the devil does. We need to bring those thoughts towards God in Jesus' name and let the blood of Jesus Christ wash and cleanse our minds. Number three, this will give you inner peace and joy from the bondage of guilt. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So instead of blaming yourself, bring those things to God and embrace the, the light of, of God, the, the light of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you receive his forgiveness, you have a spirit of joy. Anybody seen those people in church? No offense to anybody who's folding their hands, but they're like this in the worship. They're like, entertain me. Now, not everybody's like that, but if you're forgiven, you, you don't fold your arms. You say, hallelujah, I'm forgiven. And you start to dance and sing, hallelujah, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And the more revelation that you get that you're forgiven and you're receiving that forgiveness, you start to praise God. These are worship leaders are not here to entertain us. In fact, the worship leaders should be here to say, hey, it's time to sit down. You know what I mean? They have to force you to sit down. But what happens usually is we're forcing you to stand up. Why is that? Because during the six days that you're not at church, the devil is pouring all this rubbish and these lies on top of you. When you come to church, it takes you about 20 minutes just to get into forgiveness again. We should be already in liberty. Hallelujah. We should be already in living in revelation, embracing the forgiveness of God. <coughs> Number four, the degree to which you forgive yourself is in which you can rise to obey your calling. You are called for greatness. The degree in which you forgive yourself is in which you will rise to obey the call of God. Galatians chapter 5 says, Stand fast in the freedom or the liberty by which Christ has already set you free. You're set free. You're forgiven by God. And what's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, what needs to happen is you need to stay in that freedom. Anybody done the Living Free course here today? Now, the Living Free course is not a 10-week discipleship course that's starting in a couple of weeks' time. It's a, it's a lifestyle course. Hallelujah. It's a lifestyle, living in the freedom and the liberty that Jesus has already purchased on the cross for you. Hallelujah. That you're forgiven. There's nothing between you and God. You are completely accepted and adopted into his family. Hallelujah. Even that's just liberating right now in the name of Jesus. Number five, it will help you love people more. Remember the woman Gable mentioned last week with the alabaster flask of oil, and she, she came in, and the people were there saying, who is this woman? She's a sinner. Jesus knew that this woman is a sinner. He wouldn't even have her nearby. And suddenly she breaks open this flask of oil over Jesus' head to anoint him for burial. And Jesus says, this woman has done a wonderful thing for me, an act of worship. And, she, and Jesus said, you know, he who's forgiven much loves much. I don't know about you, but when you get to the point in your life where you don't realize that you've been forgiven, where you don't realize that you that God has excused your weaknesses. And you start to think, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty awesome. Then you don't love people because you're not aware that you've been forgiven by God. But when you're aware of your weaknesses and you're aware, wow, I've been forgiven. I've been accepted. I've been liberated. Then you start to reach out to other people in the name of Jesus. I was talking to my cell members this morning and I was saying, encouraging them and saying, listen, before we set any goals for the year, 
What needs to happen is that we need to be liberated in our heart. We need to be free in our heart. We need to be full of God in our heart. And when we're full of God and God starts to speak to us, then we can go out and have the vision of God. Because faith comes by the Word of God. So the first thing that happens is you need to get the Word of God, the revelation of God in your heart. Then faith comes because of the Word. And when faith comes, vision comes. So there's a process. You can't just suddenly say, well, I'm going to reach a thousand people. How many people did you reach last year? I didn't reach anybody. How do you get from a nobody to a thousand people? Process. You need to break through in your own heart, receive by faith to win one person to the Lord, and then you can move on to win somebody else. Number six, people will like you more. Hallelujah. How many people want people to like you? I tell you what people don't like. People don't like negative people. People don't like people who are moaners. Any moaners? Don't worry, we'll do the altar call in a few minutes. Hallelujah. Complainers, moaners, whiners, they don't get into the promised land. They stay in the wilderness. You're always bringing those things before God. And nobody wants to be around those types of people. Yes, we try to love them and try to accept them and that kind of thing. But if you want people to like you, be liberated in the name of Jesus. Live in the freedom of forgiveness. Number seven, you will fulfill what God has in mind and you'll be free from your past. Even Paul had to wrestle with the skeletons in his closet. He had to go through this process of forgiving himself. What happened to the apostle Paul? He was persecuting the church. He was dragging Christians and putting them into prison. He was there when Peter, when Stephen was martyred. He had to go through this process of actually forgiving himself. One of the reasons I think that Paul writes, you know, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm the least of all. I'm not the greatest. I'm the least. Why? Because I used to persecute the church. I know where I've come from. I know the amazing forgiveness of God and the grace of God because I was the worst of sinners, he says. Number eight, your own health could be at stake if you hold unforgiveness against yourself. Your own health could be at stake. Jesus said to the paralytic in Mark 2, he said, you know, son, your sins are forgiven. And people are like, how can you say that you, he's forgiven the sins? And then Jesus said, that, may, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. He said, rise up and walk, and the man was instantly healed. There's a link between sin and sickness. And when often people have unforgiveness in their heart, it can create sickness in their own body. Jesus is the healer, hallelujah. And he doesn't want you to be sick. But when we get over that unforgiveness, God brings a restoration in our life. Number nine, your mental and emotional health could be at stake. When you're consumed with guilt, it affects your outlook. And number 10, your spiritual state is at stake. All the time when you don't forgive yourself, you grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, if any recognized people who've struggled with unforgiveness either against themselves or against other people, they've often backslid. They used to be on fire for God, but when somebody treated them in a bad way, it forced them to backslide because they couldn't get to the point in their life that they could forgive that person anymore. But liberation comes when we just release forgiveness over other people. Now, there's important clarification to make here. There's a difference between true guilt and false guilt. False guilt is when you finally turn up for cell group and your cell leader tells you, where have you been? Suddenly, all this guilt, all this pressure comes on you. You're guilty. That's false guilt. That's not real guilt. That's not the guilt that God is bringing. The guilt that God probably brought is the fact that when you're in your secret place and you decide to go back to the cell group, 
that was God convicting you. That was true guilt. Often people can make us feel bad in a, in a wrong way. Perhaps a friend says to you, why don't you come and see me? I've not seen you for a while. And you finally get around to visiting that person. But you're in a bit of a rush. London's a busy place. And you say, after an hour, oh, I've got, I've got to leave. And then suddenly that person, what, you're leaving so soon? Suddenly guilt and pressure comes on you. That's what you call pseudo-guilt. That's the guilt that comes from situations or scenarios or from other people, but it doesn't come from God. We're all aware of that psalm in Psalm 51 where David cries out to God for his forgiveness. And why did he say, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me? Why? Because he'd killed a man. He'd committed adultery with another man's wife. And not just that, he called Uriah, who was the husband, to himself to try and cover up his mistakes. And he said, Uriah, you know what you need to do? When he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant, he said, you know what you need to do? Go and sleep with your wife. Now, pseudo-guilt is what Uriah felt. Suddenly, he felt in himself, how can I go and sleep with my wife when there's a battle out there? There's a war out there. He suddenly felt guilty under pressure. Pseudo-guilt. But real guilt came when prophet Nathan came to David, and he told him a story. And Nathan says, you know what? You are that man. You're the one who's guilty of taking from another person. You are that man. And David responds, what does he say? He says, I have sinned against the Lord. What's that? That's the real guilt that God brings. The conviction of the Holy Spirit that David can suddenly respond, yes, you're right. I have sinned against the Lord. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No man can say that I have not sinned against God. The Bible says, if you say you've not sinned against God, you are a liar. And the truth is not in you. But the same point, he says, confess your sins and God is faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. 1 John says also, if we've broken one of the commandments of God, we are guilty of breaking all the commandments. So we're guilty before God. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus paid the price on the cross. And the Bible says, on the cross, when Jesus was there, he said the word tetelestai. What does that mean? It means the word, it is paid in full. Your sin and my sin, the guilt that we feel, it was paid in full on the cross that all we need to do is embrace what Jesus did on the cross and we will receive his forgiveness. Peter preached, repent for the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. When we repent and turn to God, we receive his forgiveness. There's a story in the Bible that illustrates that we're not guilty before God. Tell your neighbor, you're not guilty. Hallelujah. You're not guilty. You're not guilty before God. If you've received Jesus, you're not guilty. A woman in the Bible was caught in the very act of adultery. And thank God that none of us have been caught here. Maybe there's a few of us, but none of us have been caught in the act of adultery or caught in our sin. Suddenly there's an embarrassment and guilt, pressure. You know, suddenly you start to sweat when you're caught. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery and she was brought before Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you something, that was the worst day that woman ever had. But it was the best day that woman ever had. Can you imagine? She was took from, a, from the bed with this other man and suddenly she was brought before Jesus and they were testing Jesus in John chapter 8. And they said, you know, Jesus, what are you going to do with this woman? She sinned. She's an adulterer. I found her with another, another, another person's husband. 
And Jesus, what does Jesus do? He starts to write in the ground. He starts to write in the ground. Nobody knows what he starts to write. And he says to the people, the Pharisees, signifying the law, he says, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Anybody without sin here today? None of us. He who is without sin cast the first stone. One by one, each of them begin to leave. Some people say he was writing the sins of the Pharisees. Perhaps some of the Pharisees knew this woman. Perhaps some of those Pharisees committed acts of the same nature with this woman. That's why they knew her. And they brought her to Jesus one by one. They brought, they brought all these accusations and there was nobody left. Everybody left this woman. And this woman was face to face with Jesus. I tell you, the greatest place for you to be if you're a sinner, if you're away from God and you've not received his forgiveness, the greatest place for you to be is at the foot of Jesus Christ. Not the foot of some law or Pharisee or some religious nut, but right there before Jesus. Right there before Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And Jesus says to this woman, not guilty. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus was the only person who could condemn this woman. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was the only perfect person. He was on his way to the cross. Jesus has forgiven your sins, past, present, and future. At that point, he was on his journey to the cross. And he paid the price for the sins of this woman. That's why he could say, neither do I condemn you. Why do I not condemn you? Because your sin is going to be paid for. Jesus paid the price for your sin and my sin. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's exactly what's going to happen when you get to heaven. Hallelujah. The accuser might be saying, this person is a sinner. Look at all the sins they've committed. But Jesus is going to stand up and he's going to say, you know what, Father? This person is not guilty. Hallelujah. This person is not guilty. Why? Because they received Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of sin. Not other people. Not scenarios that make you feel bad. But it's the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, who convicts you of sin. So today, if you have got unforgiveness towards yourself in your life, I want you to tell you a few things of how you can deal with these situations. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is the key verse for this week. And with that, I'm going to leave you with this verse today. How to deal with forgiving ourselves. Most of the things that we are dealing with when it's unforgiveness and not forgiving ourselves is thoughts that remind us of the past. And we need to deal with those thoughts. If we don't deal with those thoughts with the truth of God's word, our mind or our soul will keep us in the past and will not be able to move forward with God. And there's three R's of spiritual warfare that R.T. Kendall mentions in his book, The Three R's of Spiritual Warfare. If you take a notes, number one, recognize. Number two, refuse. And number, two, number three, resist. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 to 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not 
fleshly or carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So if there's unforgiveness or a negative thought that's in your life that's not of God, before you start casting out demons out of other people and doing spiritual warfare, hallelujah, you need to do spiritual warfare in your own life, hallelujah. You need to take those thoughts that are disobedient to God or those lies of unforgiveness that the devil's saying, hey, that was so bad, God could not possibly accept you. You need to embrace God's, what God says and take authority over those thoughts, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does it mean to recognize? Recognize those things that are in your life. Recognize what the devil is doing, how the devil is empowering those thoughts and keeping you in bondage. Number two, refuse those things. Speak to yourself in the mirror and say, no, I reject that in the name of Jesus. I refuse those things. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have gone and the new things have come. I have no right to hold sin against myself. Why? Because God doesn't even hold the sin against me. I am free in Jesus' name. I know the truth and I know the truth of God's word. And the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And you keep going over what God has said and you refuse to believe the lies of the enemy. And number three, you resist the devil in Jesus' name. The Bible says resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. Resist him. Resist him in the name of Jesus and he will flee from you. Now I'm going to play this DVD from upstairs right now if the guys can get ready. And then I'm going to, give, I'm going to pray with you guys and we're going to have an opportunity to if there's anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who's not received his forgiveness, you're going to have an opportunity at the end of this that DVD. Really now, I'm going to play this DVD. Why? Because Forgiving Yourself is a book that RT wrote. And I want to encourage every person here today to read that book. Thank God for this series of forgiveness. Next month, we'll move on to something else. But right now, while we're dealing with this topic of forgiving yourself and forgiveness, I want to make sure that you take this book you take the different clips that were given you, and you study this in the week, and it's, you're going to be set free. Hallelujah. Right throughout this month, in Jesus' name. So let's play that clip right now, and I'll be back with you in a few minutes. that doesn't mean they can't have forgiveness exactly because once again it's God's forgiveness that we really truly need well we've got uh, some questions here that I think are kind of interesting first one is how do you know if the difference between conviction and condemnation how do you know what the difference is especially when you want when you want to continue to feel the pain of guilt and condemnation well, the reason one wants to do that is because he thinks or she thinks they've got to punish themselves. There's an interesting verse in 1 John 4:18. Perfect love casts out fear, and fear has to do with punishment. And you see, when we don't feel forgiven, we want to punish ourselves. And in a, a perverse sort of way, for some it feels good. Mm -hmm. uh, they'd rather go the route of not forgiving themselves and feeling guilty than just to be free because Jesus died for us. And so this is another example of how the devil will make you wallow in self-pity and right. be 
painful or feel the pain all the time. That's right. the devil's work. And uh, remember the three R's of spiritual warfare. Recognize, refuse, resist. Recognize, this is the devil. This isn't God. Recognize, refuse. Don't think about it. Any guilt that God didn't put right. there, refuse to think about it and then resist. Yeah. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, it is interesting, this thing about self-punishment. And it all is rooted in this deep feeling that we have to pay. Hmm. We have to pay, we have to pay, we have to pay, we have to pay. I owe, I owe, so I have to pay. Hmm. The good news of the gospel is such good news <laughs> that we just have a very difficult time believing that anything could be that good. It's like, how can you just be a bad person all your life and hurt people and do all kinds of bad things? And then just because you ask God to forgive you and you're willing to turn away from that life and start a new life, how is it even possible that even God could be so good that he would do that? Well, you see, this is why we call it good news. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know... It, when it's too good to be true, that's when you've really heard it. Yeah. Until right. the gospel, when it breaks through, is too good to be true. Yeah. Until that happens, you probably haven't heard it. But when you are confronted with the fact that in one stroke, by transferring the trust that you had in your good works to what Jesus did for you on the cross, you're saved. You're forgiven. It's over. The war is over. That's too good to be true. That's why it's good news. It's not exactly good news right. if you have to add to it and pay for this and do this and do that. God did it and by his son. I think that what I would like to encourage people to do, especially perhaps people who have never really received this truth yet in their own life, or they've not received Christ as their savior, is people can't listen to what we're saying right now with their head. Mm. You have to listen with your heart. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says that it's, that it's, it's God's grace that we receive through faith. But even that faith is a gift of God. You know, I don't think that I can even receive all this good news. It, it goes way beyond my mind or anything I could figure out. I've never met anybody like that on the earth, and so I have no way to even relate to that kind of a free gift. I can't get it with my brain. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at our heart, and God will put that faith in your heart to say, there's no reason, this makes no sense at all, but... I believe it. Do you know what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world? What's that? With every other religion, you achieve the righteousness. With Christianity, you receive it. That's right. God does it for you. And see, we are by nature always wanting to do it ourselves. Yeah. We want to pay. We want to do our part. And then we yeah. feel a little better. We don't like when somebody does everything. And we want to say, well, what can I do? And when God says, I've done it, I've done That's it, right. you just receive it. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion. Well, we've probably got time for one more good question, and uh, here it is. How do you know if you really have totally forgiven yourself? How can you tell? Okay. <laughs> the way you know you've totally forgiven others is when you don't tell anybody what they did. You won't let them be afraid of you. You won't let them feel guilty. You let them save face. You protect them from their darkest secret, and you keep doing it. Mm -hmm. When you've forgiven yourself, you will not even 
enter into a conversation with yourself about anything in the past that's, that's made good. you feel bad. Don't go there. Do not let yourself be afraid. Do not let yourself feel guilty because if you do, you're giving in to what the devil wants. Save your own face by saying, I am a forgiven person. God says I'm free. He does not want me to lose face. And now, then... Excuse me just a minute, Dr. Kendall. Saying it out loud is very important. Absolutely. That shows you believe it. Even if you're by yourself uh, in your living room, say it. And it helps renew your mind. Exactly. Say it. And just say, I'm free. That's right. I am not under condemnation. Amen. And then know that you protect a person from their deepest secret. The devil will bring up things in your past. Do not listen to him. And by the way, as total forgiveness is a life sentence, you have to keep doing it. <laughs> so with forgiving yourself, it's not going to happen just because once you do right. it, you say, well, I did it yesterday. We have to do it every day because the great accuser, the devil, will always want to bring back false guilt and make you right. feel bad. Now, you know, something that a phrase that you've used several times in the program, and I just want to capitalize on this before I close the show today, is um, when that guilt comes or that thought comes, just don't go there. Mm. Don't go there. And, you know, we do have a choice about that. And exactly. that's one of the things that people very often don't realize. You know, they, they think, well, if, if I feel some way, I can't help it. Or, or if I think this, I can't help it. But we really can decide whether we're going to go somewhere mentally I mean, or we're not. I can decide if all of a sudden I find my mind drifting back to something somebody did to hurt me. I can literally say out loud, I'm not going there. Mm. Been there, done that, been around that mountain. Doesn't produce any good fruit in my life. I'm not going there. Recognize, refuse, <laughs> resist. The three R's is spiritual warfare. And that way the devil doesn't have a victory and God does. Give them to us again. What do they mean? Okay. Recognize. This is the devil. Right. This is not God. Right. Refuse. Don't go there. Right. Don't even entertain the thought yeah. and resist. That's right. And the devil will flee. Well, Dr. Kendall, this has been so wonderful, and thank you so much for coming on the program. Been and nice. I know that just hundreds of thousands of people are going to really enjoy your book. Amen. Everybody say that together. Recognize. Say it again. Recognize. Refuse and resist in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to finish the service. But right now, we come to that most important time today where we're going to give you an opportunity to receive the forgiveness of God for the first time. And if you're in this place today and you've received the forgiveness of God before, and you're in this place today, I need to receive it again. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I'm going to pray for you in a few minutes. And today, you may have felt like that adulterous woman, convicted, condemned, brought before Jesus, but like that adulterous woman left, Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. That's exactly what God is going to say to you today as you embrace his forgiveness. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. And I want you, if you're in this place today and you need his forgiveness in your life, whether you need to forgive yourself, forgive other people, or you need to receive Jesus for the first time, pray this prayer out loud. I'd like everybody to pray it together. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you right now and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Today, I thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again on the third day. Now, as I receive you as my Lord and Savior, I know that I'm not condemned. I'm not guilty in your sight. Thank you, Jesus, 
for accepting me into your kingdom. And today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this place today and you prayed that prayer for the first time or you want his forgiveness today, you say, Christian, pray for me. I need that forgiveness in my life. Lift your hand right now because I'm going to pray for you right across this place today. Lift it high. When you lift it high, you're not lifting it to me. You're lifting it to God. And you're saying, God, you know why I want that not guilty? I'm grabbing hold of that not guilty today because of what Christ has done. I want that forgiveness. Lift your hand high right now in the name of Jesus. If you're in this place today and you're saying, Christian, pray for me. I need to recommit my life to God. And you need His forgiveness again. Lift it high right now in the name of Jesus. I want to pray for you. Now, for everybody who's lifted the hand, I want you to stand on your feet right now because I'm going to pray for you. Right across this place, stand on your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Those at the back, those on the side. If you know you should be standing, you stand right now. We're going to pray. Because when you stand, you're not standing before me. You're standing before God. And God sees you. And He knows you're genuine. He knows you're real. And He's going to set His seal upon that forgiveness today in the name of Jesus. And after we prayed, a few people from the 230 service would love to speak with you and see how we can get you moving forward in God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person who's standing. They've said, I need your forgiveness. They prayed, God, I receive your forgiveness. Today, I ask you that even though their sins be as scarlet, you would wash them white as snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. Give them a new start, a new experience with you. Father, we cut off and reject and refuse the enemy's plans in the name of Jesus. We resist the devil and we ask you in Jesus' name that today they would embrace your forgiveness and your love. Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the thanks for what you're going to do in and through their lives in Jesus' name. Now let's all stand right now in the name of Jesus. As we finish, I'd like Gabriel just to, to pray over us to do with this series, to set a seal upon this series and, and, and say what's going to happen next week as well as we pray together. Thank you, Gabriel. Just lift our hands in this place. Just step into the Lord's presence right now and um, start asking for something very specific for you. All of you are carrying issues potentially that you are still believing that God hasn't forgiven you for and you're refusing to forgive yourself or you believe that there's a punishment that's still due to you and it causes you to not come frequently to the presence of the Lord to pray and leaves you in that place where you feel like I can't pray for a month, two months, even longer. And there's that coldness that's entered your heart because you've not been able to forgive yourself right where you are right now. I just want you to start to seek God and say, that issue, whatever it might be, I forgive myself, Lord, today. I thank you that you've forgiven me. And I choose to agree with your forgiveness. I choose to agree with what you've done in my life. No longer do I carry that condemnation for me because I know that you've taken that upon the cross. Right where you are, just start to pray it out. Pray it out strong as... Um, RT was saying it's important that we declare it over ourselves. I am free. I am free. God has done something in my life and in my heart, and I am free. By the end of this time of prayer, this short, intense time of prayer, we want to be able to pray that. Lord Jesus, I am free today. Start praying. Jesus, Jesus. Father, by your spirit, Lord, I ask you to move upon this congregation right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would convict and convince your sons and your daughters just how forgiven they are. And Father, I thank you that in your presence they can take all of that condemnation, all of that guilt, all of that shame, 
and they can leave it at the foot of the cross. And in exchange for leaving that at the foot of the cross, they receive your peace, your freedom, your love, your peace, and your grace. Jesus, right where you are, just join with me for this one bold declaration this afternoon. We're going to say together, Jesus, I'm free because of what you did for me. And really take that to heart in faith as we declare it, okay? Let's get ready to go. Three, two, one. Jesus, I'm free because of what you've done for me. Let's say it one more time. Jesus, I am free because of what you have done for me. One more time. Jesus, I am free because of what you have done for me. And I lay all condemnation down and all guilt down and all shame down. And I thank you for your goodness and your peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering in this place today. Fantastic. It's good to have you here with us, and hopefully there is an increasing sense of freedom as you bring these issues before the Lord. Next week, we're going to look forward to how to deal with offense when there is issues in our hearts which prevent us from having full and proper relationship with our friends, our families, because of things that we're holding in our hearts. That's going to be covered next week. It's going to be an excellent time as well. Do you remember at the 5 o'clock, Bruce is here for the End Times Truths, and at 7 o'clock tonight, he'll be ministering a prophetic word on the awakening and stir of the church. If you're new to the church, please do come forward and say hi. We would love to meet you. There'll be a welcome team there just as you're starting to make your way out, uh, greeting you as you make your way through the doors. And also do remember that next week is Vision Week. Tuesday, ladies, leaders on Wednesday, Monday, uh, Thursday, men, Friday, young adults, and then all day Saturday. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sundays. Do take a few moments to spend some time with some people from the service. If you stood up in response to Christian's prayer, someone will come and spend some time with you and pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sundays. See you soon.